In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like St. Matthew says, here we have another parable that Christ puts before us. And as all parables do, the function of this parable is to enlighten us about the kingdom of God. Enlighten us about the kingdom that you and I are called to participate in, that God has in store for us. From now, by the way, not later, from now. As you can see, there's a field and there's seeds that are sown into that field. And as they're growing, they look either like things that should belong in the field or things that shouldn't belong in the field. So among other things, one of the first things that jumps out to us in this parable is that our participation in heaven begins now. Our decision to be in communion with God begins now through this outpost of heaven, the church. This foretaste of heaven that we see in the sacraments and especially in the Eucharist. This is good for us to know. It's good for us to appreciate, especially for the sake of having a context of what life is all about. What life is all about. And life is hard, isn't it? Life is challenging, isn't it? Life is very unfortunate at times and uncomfortable at times, isn't it? And we're human. We're made of flesh. We're made of neurotransmitters and other hormones. And sometimes we fall into certain sins, certain addictions, or we see that happening to other people around us. We fall into certain challenges in our lives. Things that especially seem like we can't climb out of. Then we get into this state of, why is this happening to me? Why is this person happening? Why is this bad thing happening to that good person? Or why is this, bad, or why is this good thing happening to that bad person? It becomes too much even. It becomes so overwhelming that we tend to lose that context that I was mentioning in the beginning. We tend to lose it. We tend to lose our focus. We tend to lose the memory of who we are, what our real identity is. We tend to forget the fact that we're baptized Christians, individuals who are called to be members of a community where the whole purpose is to conform ourselves more and more, step by step, to the image of Christ. Where's the comfort, though? That's one thing to know. Where's the comfort in the midst of the rest of the hardships of life that you and I all know? The comfort is that, as this parable is trying to teach us, there's a bigger picture that's going on. There's a plan that we might not be able to see and feel and touch all the time. In other words, we, in our human perspective that's limited, can't understand the fullness of what God's doing. And the sooner we reconcile ourselves with that reality, the sooner we'll have a more realistic, comprehensive way of handling life, of dealing with life, of traveling through this life, of walking this exodus towards the promised land that we're called to. So what can we do? What can we do about all the hardships of life? What does this parable say that we can do? 
not what does that person say or that celebrity say or that worldly philosophy say. What does Jesus say through this parable? A lot of bad things happen in the world. A lot of evil happens in the world. And this parable certainly touches on the problem of evil. How can a good God allow such evil things to happen, such sufferings to happen, such challenges to happen into people's lives, especially people that are innocent? Gee, how can, how can God allow that to happen? God, who took on flesh and died on a cross while doing nothing wrong. Yeah, how can God allow those things to happen? There's a certain irony there. But he doesn't just allow these things to happen. There's something we can do. There's something we can actively do. We can become like wheat. We can become like wheat. The servants of the house go and say to the master, why don't we remove the weeds, the bad stuff that's growing in the field? What does the master respond with? No, let them grow alongside each other. Because if you remove the weeds, you might risk damaging the wheat. If you remove the bad stuff, you might risk damaging the good stuff. Should I ask a question there? What does that really mean? For us, brothers and sisters, who are called to be like wheat, if the weeds are removed, if evil is removed, you know what also is removed? Our opportunity to respond to it as Christ would. Evil is tough to deal with. Sins, addictions, hardships, all tough to deal with. Suffering is tough to deal with. But deal, dealing with it is worthwhile. Dealing with it allows us an opportunity to mature in heart and in mind, to look more like Christ. To look more like Christ for the sake of entering that kingdom in eternity. To do it in this life so we can have it eternally in the next life. Now, speaking of wheat, can we think of anything else that has to do with wheat? Can we think of anything like Eucharistic imagery? Brothers and sisters, when we say to ourselves, let us become like wheat, that means we're accepting the responsibility of becoming like the Eucharist in our lives. Becoming what we eat, which means embodying sacrifice, embodying sacrificial love, embodying charity, forgiveness, mercy, all the things that Christ is himself. In the midst of such a crazy world, such a sinful world, such a backwards world, there's only so much we can do. One is try to always remember there's a bigger picture. Something bigger is happening under God's providence, under God's plan. Two, what can I actually do about it? Instead of looking around me so much and focusing on things I can't control, which any secular person can understand, instead of doing that, there has to be an alternative. What can I actually do? For us who are believers, through the light of our faith, what, what we can actually do is become like wheat, embody the Eucharist throughout our lives, so that when the harvest comes, our position will be a favorable one in the kingdom of God. Amen.